Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, and Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, let's the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, turned as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week? Uh, it's going okay. How was your week? Uh, it's doing better, doing better. I am very excited. It's a very full weekend of podcasting for me because I'll be guesting over on a couple different podcasts this weekend. Uh, so I'm trying to frantically get that work done. I'll be recording with our, our fabulous friends over at uh, Podlander Drunkcast about the music in Outlander. And so I like it was one where I was like, we need to just schedule it or else I'm never going to get the work done, you know, make myself do it. Yeah. So now I'm frantically making myself do the work. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be fun, though. Um, we have a ridiculous amount of TV news this week. We do. We have so much TV news this week. Um, so I guess kind of going in order of when things happened, uh, the Simpsons decided that they were not interested in dressing a poo mm-hmm. as sort of a racial caricature and also gave everyone a big middle finger about it um, through Lisa, of all people, their enlightened character, their liberal character, their I understand the world better than the rest of my family character, and just went, yeah, no, other people shouldn't really be worrying about this. And a lot of this was spurred on by... Um, Hari Kanabolu's uh, documentary that starts with a poo but goes into larger issues of uh, representations of um, Indians um, within media, uh, which I have not seen. I've heard really good things about it, but I haven't seen it. And so The Simpsons got around to addressing that by going, "Eh, you guys should just get over it. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, no, The Simpsons. Oh, yeah, that's really helpful. Yep, yep. Um, and particularly having Lisa be the one, you know, like uh-huh. plenty of people have talked about this, but that's it's yeah. gross and not in keeping with it's, Lisa. Yeah. No, it's very much like an authorial statement as opposed to we're going to be motivated by the character in some way, but no, we're just going to, we needed a mouthpiece and well, makes the best sense coming from Lisa because that's our true moral and intellectual authority figure on the show. Yeah. So let's throw her under the bus too, not just our our, our viewers and not just uh, the character of Apu, which you're like, no. Yeah. Anyways, uh, let's move on because this is just going to irritate yeah. me more. Uh, I am not irritated by a decision made by the Westworld people uh, to spoil everything in season two on like Reddit, right? And then yeah. come out with, actually, we're just trolling y'all. None of those are actually going to happen. I thought that was delightful. I was really hoping that they were going to release it. Yeah. And I was just, I was just super fascinated by this whole thing. I didn't think that they would actually do it because it would wreck the economy of the internet. Um, <laughs> but it was, it's a really, it's an interesting concept and idea of basically saying, okay, well, what do you really care about on this show? Do you care about our puzzles or do you care about the thing that we're actually doing? And the degree to which their priorities are a thing. So I was really looking forward to that as like a discussion. And then they just went, no, here's Evan Rachel Wood singing the Rick Astley song, Never Gonna Give You Up. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, maybe it would have been uh, interesting to to have it be a fuller discussion. But I mean, yeah. just when when it seemed like that's what they were doing, I was like, oh, that's, that's just fun. That's just like, because everybody's going to watch anyways. I think. I don't mm-hmm. know. Do you think if, if they had actually done this, that it would have hurt their viewership? No, I don't think it would have hurt their viewership at all. I mean, spoilers used to be like a major commodity um, in like a pre sort of like lost 
world and mm-hmm. like i don't think lost's ratings were impacted in any way shape or form by like the season three finale getting leaked i don't so, think game of I thrones d- was affected by those first several yeah. episodes getting leaked even though the game of thrones people freaked out and stopped sending them to critics it's like great yeah. now you're gonna have really uninteresting coverage and people are gonna not be talking about it as much i mean yeah. people are gonna talk about it anyways because game of thrones don't get me wrong but right you're not gonna get the think pieces that like circle back up like six months later so Anyways. Yeah. And instead, they just got some really good early pre sort of coverage about the show. So yep. it worked out really well. Yay. Yay. Um, Jessica Jones already renewed for season three. That is exciting. I did not expect that, especially after you know, we were a little less hot on, on well, yeah. we were significantly less hot on season two than season one. But it's nice to have that not in limbo, unlike last year. Yeah, I was surprised at how quickly it like sort of came together um, for a renewal. But I also just hope this means that we're not going to have to deal with the Defender season two. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, just let's just keep the hand very far away from this. And if we can, <laughs> you know, if we can keep uh, Iron Fist away as well, that would be lovely. Yeah. Hey, Jenny uh, Hogarth still got that whole firm as her client. So That's I mean. True. It's- never going away yeah no they aren't they really aren't um broad city is going to be done after season five next year but mm-hmm. the creative minds behind broad city abby jacobson and abby jacobson and alana glazer both have overall deals with comedy central so that's exciting so at least we know we're getting more stuff from them yeah and i'll be really curious to see what they develop after broad city um and when i saw that it was going to be done in season five before i saw the news that they had uh inked a development deal i was just like are we gonna have a key and peel sort of situation is one of them just gonna start directing Mm -hmm. and the other one's just gonna start acting and it'll be like we can trace these developments but they're just like no we're staying we're staying together we've got we've got ideas guys we've got ideas yeah Uh, i'm excited yeah i think it's time for broad city it's Definitely time for Broad City. I agree. So yeah, we'll see what they do next. I'm very excited. Um, Both Barry and Silicon Valley were renewed. I was surprised uh, a little bit that Silicon Valley is coming back again. Um, Mm -hmm. It felt like this would be a good like final season. And I mean, I watch the show every week and I laugh every week. It's very funny. But I also like how long can they keep doing this? I have continually asked. because it's just very repetitive. They do the same beats. There's a few things that have sh- shaken things up in this new season, most specifically T.J. Miller being off the show, and more on that in a moment. But, um, but yeah, I was surprised. You know, I wasn't surprised that Barry got renewed because it's really good, and it's a freshman show. But, yeah, was it season, like, seven for Silicon Valley? Six, maybe? Uh, it's going to be six. Season six yeah this would be season six yeah um don't get me wrong there's a bunch of very funny people and if they have ideas great and i'm glad lots of people are making money and employed and all of that good stuff it's just uh i don't know if they're gonna have i don't know silicon valley doesn't strike me as a show that it can run forever i don't yeah, know what do you sure. think you you don't really watch I- I don't watch Silicon Valley, so I don't have an opinion on that. Yeah. Um, so, and Barry, I'm a little behind on, um, but a lot of the chatter I saw around the renewal was a lot of critics who have basically probably seen the entire series at mm-hmm. this point were just like, this seems like a choice um, huh. in terms of like the degree to which that 
the how the season ends i guess was something of a well that was that that's pretty much all we needed mm-hmm. um so I'm, I'm curious to see how that wraps up yeah and what that means uh for our second season from them interesting okay yeah. uh the last thing i just threw on there today is that a- oh, i don't understand this case. okay so apparently <laughs> i was reading error reviews to process some of my thoughts on this week's vertigo fueled episode um lots of like hallucinations and <sighs> dreams and stuff uh the thing that we talked about with felicity uh last week didn't happen because it was a hallucination so that made okay. way more sense it was like oh okay that makes sense um anyways but apparently colton haynes will be returning as a, i think a regular yeah for season He's seven series regular yeah he was so checked out on his like two episode arc he did this season why dude well a he's checked out but b i'm also just like the entire point of thea leaving was that she was leaving with him yeah and so i don't understand with her (laughs) anywhere she goes yeah yeah the only way i'll be kind of okay with that is if like he's her lieutenant or something like there's something that she needs to get done and so he's working for as opposed to like no she ditched me <laughs> like that would she be really- she and nissa are just too cool for me yeah so i didn't want to hang out with them anymore because i'm too cool for them will you guys take me back <laughs> even though i look kind of like a thumb <laughs> yeah oh man so i just it, i would never have guessed that he wanted to come back on the show based on his mm. performance this this yeah. season so he, he's got to step it up next year yeah if he's gonna be back every week man okay anyways that is our news any other notable tv events this week not that i can think of off the top of my head no yeah the- that was a lot of news though that was a lot <laughs> i feel like there was another couple of renewals or something but yeah uh didn't a couple of shows get renewed like before their their pilots even dropped like killing eve was already renewed for season two we're gonna talk yeah, about that that's yeah that's a that's a BBC, though. Yeah, that, that's um, the, sort of their jam, so. Okay, yeah. well, yeah. that is plenty of news. Uh, this week, at the end of the show, we're going to be talking about season two of A Series of Unfortunate Events, so more on that at the end of the show. This is gonna be That's going to be super fun. Uh, but first up, we're going to listen to a little more lip sync, because, again, Drag Race showed up with the lip sync this week, guys. Um, mm-hmm. So here's Pound the Alarm by Nicki Minaj, uh, edited, censored version, and we'll be... <laughs> Back with our week in comedy and reality right after this. Let me call up yo. Come to an end of little mini. 
This week in reality and comedy, I'm going to talk just a little bit about the Andre the Giant documentary that we had on HBO. Then we're going to talk Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Puzzle Master, and Superstore before we move over to Drag Race, The Last Ball on Earth. So first up, uh, I checked out the Andre the Giant documentary. I thought this was uh, well-timed to coincide with WrestleMania, though Mm -hmm. strange to have it air on Wednesday. I guess they figured anyone who'd want to watch this would be watching WrestleMania on Sunday and watching yes. WrestleMania lead-ups the days before, and then watching Raw the day after, so... Correct. Yeah, no, putting it on Wednesday is <laughs> the best place to put it, honestly. <laughs> and it's very considerate of HBO to do that. Yeah, I don't know that much about Andre the Giant. Uh, only, the only things I know about Andre Rusimov, I should say, um, are from the like special features on the Princess Bride DVDs. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Um, so I, it was interesting. I, it didn't go as in-depth as I would have liked, um, but it, you know, and a lot of, there were many anecdotes I had heard before. Uh, so even someone who is not very familiar with, with him as a, as a wrestler and as just a, like a persona and a celebrity, uh, there was, there was not as much, like, there's as much nuance and, uh, untold or perspectives or just different, you know, things that I hadn't heard before. Uh, But it was really neat seeing uh, his family members talk and his daughter and getting some, because I'm very familiar with him from the end of his life because of Princess Bride stuff. Um, And then some of the the videos and stuff uh, I've seen of him and interviews about him that really center on the later part of his life. So for me, the stuff that was more interesting and newer was all the stuff about how, like the early part of his life and how (laughs) if like, if he didn't want to do whatever you guys were supposed to do in that match, it, it wasn't going to happen. So, like, don't piss him off, um, which I thought was really interesting. And especially considering how much he physically deteriorated by the end of his life because of his gigantism. Um, to, to It was really interesting to hear just how, uh, like, how much of a force of nature he was at the beginning of his career. Uh, I mean, the guy was seven, at least seven one, like four to five hundred pounds. Um, it's, it's just, he just, again, to see the pictures of him walking into the ring at these different matches. And now normally, you know, they do the, the cameras underneath shooting up and it makes the person like loom over the rest of the crowd camera's straight on and he's looming over the rest of the crowd. So I thought that the documentary did a really good job of capturing some of that. Um, and, and trying to get a sense of, of him through his work colleagues. I didn't feel like we got a strong sense of him. I would have liked more stories about him growing up, um, mm-hmm. about his childhood. I didn't feel like we got a very strong sense of who this guy was outside of the ring and outside of work because most of the people they interviewed were from the wrestling world. And now that's also because most of his life was spent very, in, like, he was constantly on the road. He didn't really have much of a life outside of that, at least according to this documentary. Um, but... Yeah, so it was it was interesting, and I would definitely recommend it. it I think it's pretty well paced. Um, I just would have liked more detail and to dig in even more because I do think he was a really interesting figure, an interesting person, uh, just a person with a very singular life experience. Because there are not many people that just that big trying to be that be that size, be that stature in everyday life would be a interesting and and challenging thing. So I liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was neat. If you guys are at all interested in Andre the Giant, check it out. It's well-made, but it's not something to seek out if you aren't already interested, I would say. 
That seems fair. Yeah, that seems sort of what I got, the vibe I sort of got from the teasers and the promos and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was certainly, yeah. So, something as any Princess Bride fan, watch it. You're going to love, you're going to love it. Sure. <laughs> like myself. But um, yeah, if you're not interested in wrestling, not interested in Under the Giant, not interested in the Princess Bride, it's probably not for you. Um, what is for you? I would say, is this Brooklyn Nine-Nine from this week, The Puzzle Master. It's not the box, no. but very few things are. I thought this was delightful, and Alison Tolman can come back whenever she wants. Yeah, no, I was very excited that she's become Holt's rival for, like, the W.D. Commissioner's job. Mm-hmm. And that was very, very exciting. And though I'm not sure about the idea of eliminating precincts, that sounds a little maybe too forward-thinking. <laughs> Um, also, it would get rid of the show. Where yeah. would they be without a precinct? Spoiler um, alert, he's not going to win because he's not leaving the show. And yeah. she's going to win, but she's going to have learned from him. And so she's not going to get rid of precincts. That's my that's my guess right now, at least. What do you think? Yeah, no, sure. That's fair. That means that she can keep popping up, which is a good idea because she's terrific on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I thought that this was also a lot of fun, even if it felt a little repetitive. I didn't really need a Jake in crisis over... Uh, Amy leaving him for someone that mm-hmm. is very good. That is A, very hot, and B, writes crossword puzzles. Yeah. Mainly because I feel like if Amy was going to leave, she would have left a much sooner than right now. Well, and he knows um, that, too. And he knows that. Um, So there's some good comedy to be had of, like, everyone has to solve this puzzle to get into the bar. And it's just like, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I was enjoying all the crossword uh, nerdery, of course. Yeah, I was too, yeah. Yeah, and I I liked the um the way that they constructed that part of the episode. I thought it was mm-hmm. fun. I thought that the the crossword guy was attractive enough, but not ridiculously attractive. You know yeah, what I mean? Like I, I thought they yeah. I thought they like threaded that needle. Um and uh yeah, it was it was it was fun. It it wasn't the box, but it was fun. No. Yeah, it uh, was perfectly fine. Yeah. Uh, I also want to mention Superstore and their episode Lottery uh, because, first of all, I need more Mateo and Jeff stuff. You know, it's been a yeah. while. Also, I am so over what they're doing with, with Kelly and uh, Jonah. And I had to think a little bit for Jonah because I'm just so irritated at that. I like, can see their faces, but I needed to be reminded of, of Jonah's name. Anyways, I am, I am just very... This is a very tired arc, and it's one we've seen again and again, and it's one that is very hard for sitcoms to do at all well without sacrificing the good guy persona of the romantic interest you're supposed to be invested in. So Jonah is being a shit boyfriend, and I guess we're supposed to be okay with that because we're supposed to be shipping him and Amy, but I really don't care. And if they were going to do this, they should have done it forever ago instead of stretching it out all season like they have. Yeah, and it's it it makes me feel bad for Kelly to the point where I'm I really actively want Kelly and Carol to team up yeah. to take down Amy and Sandra. Yeah, is how I'm is how I'm hoping that this all goes down. <laughs> um, well, maybe not in the way that Carol would like because Carol would just kill them both. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, it's just frustrating, and it doesn't endear us to Jenna or Amy in this at this point, which is not something you want going into your fifth season? Fourth. Fourth season. Going into your fourth season. And, like, one of the cool 
nice things about the show is that they previously weren't pushing this as much or like very much closing it off in a lot of ways. And now the show's being like, well, I guess we can do this. And now they're just executing it really poorly. And like you said, dragging it out. So it's very, it's been very difficult to get through it. Um, And I just feel really bad for Kelly. And I just want her to transfer to another store. Yeah. Well, I just don't be, don't be gross, Jonah. Don't be a jerk. And he's being a jerk. And and it's, it's not like this is a one-off either. Like something, this has happened one time. If this happened and then that prompted him to do some reflection and reevaluate things, then that's, that's interesting. But at this point, it's just tiresome. And again, we've, this, this is a beat we've seen so many different sitcoms do and better or worse both but there's a lot of sitcoms out there but like this is definitely not one of the better versions of this storyline i would yeah absolutely anyways let's move on to our last show for the week in comedy and reality and that's rupaul's drag race the last ball on earth and i have so many thoughts about this episode another very strong episode um let's kick things off with do you want to start with untucked or do you want to start with the runway uh, we can start with the runway because I, I genuinely feel like that the runway uh, look was robbed because obviously RuPaul should have won that runway. <laughs> that was awesome, right? Because that look was amazing. Like, I feel like that's the best RuPaul runway look that I've seen since I, we started, I've started watching this. Uh, it was very, very good. And I feel like RuPaul should have won. Um, <laughs> but no, um, tell me your thoughts about this. Because um, I kind of went, I don't really know why Aquaria won. Right? Okay, everybody's losing their minds over this Aquaria thing. And I did not care for her last, like, lightning bolt thing. Like, Right, no, because they called it. Like, they called it in the workroom. It was just like... She's going to tape something to a bra. And it's just what she did. And everyone was really into it. And I just went, normally I'm a fan of this sort of like deconstructed kind of stripped down sort of drag. Mm -hmm. It wasn't anything interesting. It wasn't doing anything particularly compelling. Yep. And I just went, no, no, this, this did not work for me. This was much better when when Valentina did it to be a Madonna. It was much more interesting, and that was a very specific reference that you know yeah. was the point of the challenge. How did this say Mars to anyone? Like I don't, yeah. I didn't get it. But I, we are definitely in the minority, from what I can see yeah. uh, online. But I, what I really appreciate about this runway is I thought for the most part, pretty much everybody did a really good job. Like I love that they could do a ball. And ahem, shade to All Stars three, a ball with three looks, no mm-hmm. soup can BS. And when they still have eleven queens, like they, they, I love that they trusted their queens. They know that they have the queens to be able to pull off a ball when they still have eleven of them. That just yeah. shows how deep the bench is and how high the the sewing and crafting skills are uh, amongst this group of queens. I thought nobody really fell on their face. I don't, like. So there's, there are a couple. There are a couple individual looks, but every queen had at least one really good look. Just the ones who were yeah. on the bottom didn't have three good looks. Yeah, that's that's totally accurate, is that it was it was generally really consistent, I felt like. And mm-hmm. I agree with you that there was at least one good look of and all three um, amongst everyone. And the people who ended up being safe tended to have really good, consistent looks, I think, across just nothing that particularly stood out. Like, Blair's looks, I thought, were really 
seemed consistent with like mm-hmm. like a sort of a um whatchamacallit like a progression type yeah. of aesthetic which i thought was really good and really smart it just wasn't anything big and flashy and wow but it was it showed a great deal of consistency and a great deal of thought into the overall sort of experience which i really appreciated um but yeah everyone had at least one good look and then not so many great looks yes for some of yeah. some of the others um well Oh, oh, any thoughts on the mini challenge with the selfies? I was, I was boring. And, oh, okay. um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really like get into it very much. Um, and so I just, I kind of, I, I very much sort of zoned out after I figured out what they were like going to do with the mini challenge. Mm-hmm. And I just went, oh, this is, this is fine. I'm not really compelled by any of this. Uh, I, but you enjoyed it, I guess? Yeah, no, I did. I And I was also super impressed with the level of drag that so many of them got to in 15 minutes. Like, yeah, yeah. Damn. Um, okay, so I just want to mention that. Um, also, the lip sync. We got to talk about that lip sync. That was oh. amazing. I, I legitimately thought that both of them were going to get saved. Right? Like, if 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 it wasn't 11 queens, like, they can't save somebody when they still have 11, no. right? Right. No, so if it was can't. later in the season, I feel like they both would have stayed. But, like, yeah. many, like, Dusty did a very good job in, in, I just think, I'm thinking of previous seasons of Lip Sync, you know? Like, yeah. this, this season has stepped up their game in a really significant way. Um, yeah. but it's so in a different season, Dusty would have won, but yes. she had to go up against Monet and oh my God, the, the, the fake out, just the fake out split was, and just like the little, uh, uh-uh, we're not doing that. I just, I loved it. It's like, um, there was, was it last week? I think it was the season. Somebody was going to do the hair, the off with the wig. And then they didn't because you don't mm-hmm. do that anymore. That's yeah. passe now. Um, I love that. And the sense of humor and the commitment was just ah it was it was terrific it was really fun and i loved that they again like i've been saying oh the lip sync's so good and then each week it gets upped it gets it gets topped like th- this last week mayhem just slayed as far as i was concerned but then this week it was just like a whole other level for monet and yeah. uh yeah well done to all the queens any other thoughts about the the lip sync or other parts of it or, and then we'll move to untucked last no, we need to discuss Untucked. Um, yeah, so tell me about Untucked a little bit. Okay, I am curious how you feel about this one, because I've seen mm-hmm. a lot of different reactions. And for me, this is another very clear cut. I'm Team Vixen. Like, I don't I don't mm-hmm. get people, like, Eureka very intentionally was picking a fight with her yes. in a way that wasn't necessary. And, and you know, perhaps Vixen could have responded in a different way, but she's already shown that she's not gonna. So I think this is, for me, this felt like a situation of two queens who are used to, who, like, again, the John Mulaney quote, they come from a family who knows how to fight. <laughs> um, so, so two queens who are used to being able to bulldoze over other queens and the other queen just can't stand up to them, doesn't have like the force and the personality and the will to stand mm-hmm. up. And and so it was just, they were just, neither one of them was going to back down. And so it just turned into this screaming match. But it was a screaming match that didn't need to happen that Eureka prodded on a couple different times. Yeah. Um, it also felt really manufactured to me by Eureka. Um, in, in the way that they, she went and cooled off and came back and it was fine. Mm-hmm. Also kind of spoke to that. 
that I mean, I don't doubt that um, from what we've seen of Eureka, at least her persona on the show, that she is a queen who can like in like intend a certain level of interaction and then things escalate and she has a hard time like like avoiding that yeah so like like she might have like been like okay let's this will make good tv and then i'll get more screen time so let's start up a thing here and then things went up to 11 and that was very genuine but the way that we've seen eureka position herself around the workroom, asking questions so that she would get screen time. <laughs> and, and the reason I say this is because she, she never seems like she's actually interested. She'll, like, ask these queens the different things and, uh, like, oh, what do you do with your for, – for the runway? Or, what you know, like, to, asking about their different experience, like, with Blair, like, who's being homesick. And I never actually believe that Eureka is genuinely interested. That's uh-huh. not coming through. And so when you add the last few episodes worth of that onto the tension in this, that seems like it comes out of nowhere. I don't know. I th- maybe the editors let them down. What did you think? Did you feel like this Vixen and Eureka antagonism had been seen in previous episodes? Or did this just kind of come out of nowhere for you, like it did for me? It really came out of nowhere for me as well, which is sort of why, like, um, like Blair, I just immediately checked out. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I, I kept like, kind of like, is Blair hiding under her jacket? <laughs> Mayhem. No, too. no, she's she's just left the couch, but it looks like she's hiding under her jacket, which is a proper response to this scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it felt a, it felt manufactured and. It also, like you said, felt like a desire for airtime because Eureka admits as much that she was like poking and prodding, looking for a reaction. Yeah, and it's just—I don't know why they're doing it apart from a desire to like have something happen during Untucked, which is really—it was—it was just kind of exhausting. Yeah, um, because it wasn't like a discussion about like the challenge or anything else. It was just, yeah, no, let's turn this into a thing about our personalities, and it's just like. Type of thing <laughs> that I feel like is just like just stop poking at each other like this, mm-hmm. and maybe don't have so many cocktails. <laughs> um, so it's it was I I really did just kind of like phase out of untucked while this was happening, and then even when Eureka came back, I just went I'm gonna wait for the other people to come back, and then nothing really happened after everyone came back from the runway. I felt like yeah. Um, so I was just like oh. Okay, well, that was the thing that we're going to do this time, and it wasn't even as necessarily purposeful or as calling out of, like, editing and representation as last week's was. It was just a, I felt like poking at the Vixen, so I wanted to see what would happen, and now I know who she is. And it's just like, I feel like you had a really good beat on that anyway, which is why you did this. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it just feels very produced in a way. And and so did the, the whole, like worries about being thrown under the bus in last week's thing like yeah no that is like Eureka and Eureka is causing some of that trouble too by saying no she did she did throw her under the bus she did say, like she may have said her name but she didn't say that it was her fault she said I no. didn't feel like I could say anything yeah. which could be a you know throwing some shade and could be could be some like passive aggressive kind of stuff yeah. but but I I felt like they came down squarely on the side of, well, you need to speak up. Who did you need to speak up to? That person? And, okay, you yeah. didn't, and it's on you. Yeah. Um, and so when they brought that back up at the start of this week's episode, I was like, you guys are really stretching for conflict. So I'm a little worried that the producers saw the dynamite that is the the 
Aquaria, Miss Cracker, tension pivoting over to Aquaria and the Vixen. And then yeah. now we're going to try to chase that the rest of the season. I really hope they don't because these other issues have felt really organic um, mm-hmm. and, and, and comparatively very natural <laughs> to these queens. And so this one... If if they keep if they're trying to build a narrative around the vixen, maybe that could be it. Or just because yeah. I don't know, it just it felt like somebody t- some producer went and talked to Eureka about this. Yeah. No, it definitely does. Yeah, and yes. I, I just hope they they don't get to too much of that. It's just let these are very entertaining people. Let them come up with it themselves. They don't need, they don't need prompting to make very watchable and very interesting TV. Um, so I don't know. I that, I just wanted to to talk about that a little bit. Sure, sure. And I think you're right. I do feel like it was a little, like, um, ginned up in a mm-hmm. way and to, like, manufacture some stuff. Yeah. Um, what wins your week in comedy and reality? Um, I'll give it to Brooklyn Nine-Nine and the Puzzle Master this week. Um, what about you? Um, well, I wanted to give a shout-out to Jane the Virgin, which is still really strong. Um, yeah. uh, I also really enjoyed Bob's Burgers, and uh, Barry continues to, you know, have an interesting freshman season but i'm gonna give it to drag race I, th- I think it was it was the most entertaining i had to like i was falling asleep when i was watching it because it was very late so i had to then start this morning and like go back and rewatch a little bit and be able to you know and, and the fact that i was willing to go back and rewatch when i was crunched for time speaks to how strong for me this season really is so very much enjoying drag race season 10 uh now we'll take a break listen to some i zombie rachel bloom goodness seeing as we don't have anywhere craziest girlfriend but we certainly can enjoy some rachel bloom um and then we'll come back with our week in drama and genre That was the Rent parody featured on this week's episode of iZombie. Thank you, iZombie, f- for giving us that. Um, what are you going to do? Up- I'm, I'm behind a zombie zombie wall. You're not going to come after me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. It was fun to watch Rose McIver channel her inner Rachel Bloom. I was appreciating that. Anyways, this week in Drum and Jum, we're not talking about iZombie, but we are instead talking about the premiere of Killing Eve, Nice Face, uh, season one of Lost in Space, which dropped on Netflix. I've seen one, Noel has seen five, so we'll have a little chat about that. I'm going to talk about the Expanse premiere, season three, Fight or Flight. Then we'll talk about the return of Steven Universe. Very exciting. Your mother and mine. And we'll round things out with, of course, some talk about Legends of Tomorrow and their finale, The Good, The Bad, and The Cuddly. Oh, Bebo. Okay, so first up is Killing Eve. And I tweeted out like a couple minutes into this one. Y'all weren't kidding because I was immediately hooked on this. I thought that it's it's, it's really, really good. Of course, it's from Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who people know as the star and writer creator of Fleabag. 
Um, but she's just behind the scenes on this one. And I just, the specificity in all, the character specificity, I knew and cared about each of these characters, like that we saw. I don't really care about these Hessen, but the, the, the MI5 people, like within the first five minutes. And that is what a pilot needs to do. We talked about this last week with The Crossing. I like in the first five minutes, I cared more about Sandra O oh and everyone, like her, her assistant and her boss <laughs> with their croissant thing than I did after an entire episode of The Crossing. Uh, did, were you as on board with this as I am? I feel like this is the best use of Sandra O oh in I don't even know how long. Um, yeah it's she's just delightful like it it executes like her ability to do deadpan comedy really well which has always been a really strong trait of hers that i feel like a number of projects that she works on don't really dig into but like her whole explanation of how she would kill her husband is amazing and (laughs) delivered in like with pitch perfectness um but then there's just that degree of frazzledness that degree of i'm trying to do the right thing but then like this then there's those layers of really good dramatic stuff towards the end and it's just it's the best deployment of her i've seen in i can't i really can't tell you how long but i feel the same way about the rest of everyone at mi5 um i fully believed that the guy who headed up that uh, department was indeed a dick swab from the very beginning. <laughs> it's like, cause, and that comes back later, but like when like it becomes clear that, oh crap, we have to go in, we're all hungover. He's not because nobody invited him to the party because yes. nobody likes like that. Yeah. That's the level of specificity happening yes. here, and it doesn't didn't need to come back nope. for it to have been interesting. And it, I love that, and they just get that th- across, which is like two lines of dialogue, just like mm-hmm. a one line of delivery from the dick swab, and what was, it was just karaoke Bill or whatever yeah. his name was. Like, oh yeah, so so great. Yeah, so I, I, so the entire world of the MI6 group um, is really well developed very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they sort of develop uh, Vanilla, v- Villa, Villanilla? I don't, I'm butchering the pronunciation of this. The assassin. Um, yeah, J- Jodie Comer's character. Um, and so they do a decent job of basically establishing her as like a psychopath who's getting very arrogant and very cocky. But the degree to which that is interesting hinges entirely on the degrees to which she and Eve interact with one another. I've seen the fall, Kate. When the two, when the two, when the two don't interact with one another, things go really poorly. <laughs> <laughs> they go very bad very quickly. Um, so I'm I'm hoping that we're a not heading heading for that, but b that they find some really interesting ways to tell this sort of cat and mouse game um, that starts coming through. And I have a great deal of faith that they can. I mean, this is adapted from a series of, um, it's adapted from a series of novels by Luke Jennings, but Phoebe Waller-Bridge is just as, it's just really smart Mm -hmm. um, based on Fleabag, but also just, again, based on how really quickly they establish, she establishes that MI6 office that, I feel really confident about this show, and also people have told us that the second episode is really good. Yeah. Um, so yes, we've the, heard from reliable sources. Yeah, so I'm I'm eager to see more of this, and oh, it's really good. Yeah, I'll just say, um, oh, we should correction. It is the MI5 office mm, where they mm-hmm. start out, and Fiona Shaw is there from MI6, and mm. now theoretically Sandra O oh will be working for MI6. So you that, don't need to write us emails about that. 
you know what we meant. Um, I also am very glad to see Fiona Shaw here and to get to have a character I can appreciate from her other than Mrs. Dursley. Um, Cause that's, I've seen her that's in a few other was. things. Thank you. But yeah, but only a few other things. I know yeah. she does a lot of stage, which obviously in Chicago, I have not gotten to see. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's such a strong premiere and it hits the ground. Like I didn't really care about the screaming thing. Like that didn't really, whatever. But after that, like the whole morning and like the choice, like the choice of a whole new world at karaoke yeah. tells us so much. It's yeah. great. Did we do Disney last night? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, less strong of a premiere, but still pretty fun, I thought, was Lost in Space. Had a, a season one of uh, the new take on Lost in Space, of course, uh, dropped on Netflix uh, this Friday, as we as we record today, I've seen the first episode. You've seen the first handful. I wasn't even going to watch this until next week, um, mm-hmm. but I figured, you know, I, I, what's been, been very interesting to me, Noel, is that there has been a very wide range of reactions. Some people love it, mm-hmm. and some people are completely nonplussed. I haven't seen like it's, if it's like a love it hate it thing. That makes sense to me, but to see so many people, uh, or at least just maybe it's just a few vocal people on my timeline. Really enthused about this and really appreciating it. And then to see so many people be like, eh, it just kind of, you know, it doesn't quite work. I thought, I thought that was interesting. Um, this pilot was strong. I thought if it, as far as these things go, I didn't care about most of the characters. I didn't like the robot design, but I thought the, the, the challenges that they were facing on the ice planet were effective. And, uh, there's a believable amount of peril. And I just don't care about any of the flashbacks about how we got here. So I'm mixed. But if other people, if you want to talk about it next week, I will probably watch more. I'm I'm down to watch more. What What did you think of the first five? I don't want to watch more. Don't make me watch more. Oh, okay. Huh. Then I won't watch more. <laughs> um, no. Um, so first, uh, they're like in a glacier. They're not on an ice planet because remember he gets he finds woods. Oh, well, um, yeah. I, I spoiler alert. But yes, meh. yes, you're right. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's okay-ish, I feel like. Mm -hmm. I got very sleepy watching Why did you watch five? Because it made really good background noise um, while I was working. Um, which is why I watched five hours of this. And by the way, it's like legitimate five hours. Each episode is almost like an hour long, Mm -hmm. which is too long for this show if you cut like 10 15 20 minutes from each episode i think you have a really good rollicking sort of um advent family adventure show which is clearly what i think netflix wants in this show what we end up with is like a really sedate adventure show i feel like which is very weird um from like a tone and a and a pacing sort of perspective. It's a very quiet sort of family show, I feel like. And that that is interesting, but the show itself doesn't justify that for me. Um, apart from Parker Posey's performance. And which is, she's having a great deal of fun as the as you get more of her. Uh, episode three is like kind of her episode. And there's, ugh, Kate, this I will not spoil. If you just keep watching, um, the casting for her, for a family member of hers in a flashback it's so good. Okay. It's that's so good. Three? Yeah, that's in like right at the top of episode three. And it just, it made me laugh a lot and go, why haven't the two of these people played sisters before? Because it's perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm, 
I wish I was like more grabbed by it um, because I'm legitimately interested in seeing what they do with Dr. Smith, who is Parker Posey's um, take on that iconic television villain slash villain ish kind of <laughs> 1960s sort of antagonist quote. Mm-hmm. Um, even though by the, by the end of the third, by the end of the second season, he was barely functioning as a villain um, in the original Austin space. Um, so She's much more antagonistic, but I guess a larger part of the issue is like, like the Robinsons are just really terrible. <laughs> they're just, they're the worst. And it's really hard to like keep engaged with them. And as much as that sort of dynamic between the um, mother and father is supposed to drive a lot of stuff, they just come off as really bad parents. Um, and that's really sort of hard to parse when everyone's, I facing some degree of peril from this planet that keeps is hellbent on killing everyone. <laughs> it's just like, why are you leaving your children alone? That is a terrible idea, and you keep doing it. I don't care if there's a super strong robot around. Yeah. So okay. yeah, it's it's I'm not going back for the back half of this because there's only ten episodes, but unless I just can't fall asleep tonight. <laughs> Fair enough. That's one. Uh, that's one take, I mm-hmm. suppose. Uh, not the maybe the ringing endorsement they would like to hear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So can I just jump to episode three? I feel like you can definitely. I feel like that is definitely fair that you can jump to episode three and be okay. I feel like mm-hmm. you could do like three, maybe skip four and just go to five um, mm-hmm. from there um, because like a lot of things sort of shift a little bit in episode four you should watch like the last like five minutes of episode four um but then episode five just has a bunch of other things like setting up basically for the rest of the season i feel like um so it takes a little too long to get to that point okay yeah um yeah so i will decide if i'm gonna do that but if i if i if i run out of shows which never happens but if i do I'll certainly check out the beginning of episode three, if nothing else. Yeah, and I mean, if you do want to, like, circle back, I can think of worse ways to spend another five hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I, before I do that, I'll watch the, the pastry chef thing that's on Netflix right oh, now. Oh, right, yeah, that that dropped today, too, but yeah. I decided to watch five hours of this instead. You know, as <laughs> Tati would really. say, choices. Choices. Um, I did watch, I did choose to watch the season three premiere of The Expanse, Fight or Flight. Uh, to fill listeners in, I have seen the first like four episodes of season one of this, and that is it. Mm-hmm. But people seem to really love The Expanse. And um, so I thought I'd jump back in and see, you know, what if, 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 if it grabbed me more, if I was more engaged. And I certainly was much more engaged by this than I was by the early episodes in season one that I saw. Uh, I, of course, love Shora. I, I, I'm going to butcher your name. I'm sorry. You're fabulous. Agdashlu. Agdashlu. Uh, the, the, that awesome, awesome actress who's been in like a million things. And you see her and you go like, oh, yeah, her. She's great. She plays a uh, pretty badass, I would say, diplomat in this. Um, who by season three, there's like been this whole fracture between Earth and the colony of Mars. And then the outer rim, outer belt people. There's like. They're on the brink of war between the Earth and the colon and the the colony, and then there's the Belters, and there's this alien like I don't know molecule thing that's I, I have no idea what's going on because I haven't watched any of season two or the second half of season one. But I thought that if you haven't seen it, you can you know as long as you don't stress about not knowing everything, you can 
get on board pretty quickly, which I appreciated. Uh, there was a good balance of quips to action, and the stakes were, I thought, uh, believable and, and worked. And uh, yeah, I can see, I can see why people really like this. Like, I can. It's one of those things where you watch an episode, you're like, yeah, if I knew the relationships, the character things that had developed over two seasons, I would be much more invested. And I can see why people are really connected to this show. I don't know if I'm going to stick around. Certainly, we won't be checking in every week. But like the next time I'm looking to like watch a show with my dad, for example, this is right up his alley. So this is a good one for that, and one that I certainly wouldn't mind spending more time with if I get ahead on my viewing. Sheree Agdashlu. Sheree Agdashlu. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I will remember that because I know I've looked it up before yeah. and then forgotten. Um, but uh, she's fabulous. Uh, in the standard of the cast. The cast is, I think, pretty strong overall. Yeah. But yeah. It, it's a good cast. But we'll, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I'm more interested in continuing with this than going back to Killjoy's. But sure. I had a similar kind of relationship where, where like, people love, 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 love Killjoy. So I, I binged a bunch of it. I was like, yeah, it's I remember. fine. <laughs> it is it is a solid show. I, I don't care about it as much as the rest of y'all do, though. Um, mm-hmm. So this is probably just somehow, somehow this is not wheelhouse for me, even though it should be. Um, but I did enjoy it. And I'm glad that I checked it back out. So I at least have some sense of what's going on with that corner of sci-fi mm-hmm. fandom right now. But I'm much more invested, of course, in the return of Steven Universe. Your Woo! mother and mine. And it, it like the, these episodes, there's a handful of these that have already uh, debuted on the app and then um, are starting to air one a week now. So I've seen a few ahead, but I, I won't spoil anything. What did you think of this episode and like the, the context we're given about Rose Quartz and Pink Diamond? So I really like this episode on a couple of levels. One, I liked Garnett meeting all the off-color gems because that was just so good. <laughs> Made me very happy. My heart swell um, three sizes that day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also liked the aesthetics of the flashbacks regarding Rose Quartz's rebellion, uh, which were very uh, revolutionary girl-esque, um, which is uh, anime that I almost made you watch last year for the Mickey Watchathon. Okay. Um, and they do a lot of like that shadow play sort of silhouette stuff. Um, and it's very, very pretty. And it works really, really well here in a lot of ways. And so I liked that aspect of it. Um, and... Again, I'm always, I'm continuously fascinated by the fact that we always get Rose Quartz through someone else's prism, basically, through someone else's lens. And so no one ever has, like, a lot of direct information. Um, and I always find that really fascinating um, because it it's increasingly starting to feel like the show's sort of obscuring things from us. Um and I feel like that comes through to a certain degree, especially by the end of Your Mother and Mine, when Steven is like, so I'm having dreams. And it's just like, thank you for telling someone, Stephen, A. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for doing that, finally. And um, the that degree of connection between people, I think, is um, that he's having with uh, Pink Diamond, I think, is really interesting. And something that we can kind of dig into after you sort of tell me, I guess, how you felt about Your Mother and Mine. I thought it was lovely, and yeah. I'm so glad to have the show back. Like, none of these episodes that are coming up individually had, like, really packed a punch for me. Okay. But I, th- I, I enjoyed them all, and yeah. this one was no exception. I also really enjoyed the aesthetics of the flashbacks. They always do something interesting and creative with those, mm-hmm. so I really appreciated that. Um, I think of the different 
voices we could have about Rose Quartz, the most, the one that we can most trust to be less biased is Garnet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that is, uh, I think it's fun and smart to have her meet the off colors, and uh, as the first like new fusion that at least anyone she knew had ever seen. Or yeah. had ever experienced. I thought that was really great. And will likely tie into future things, is my guess. Um, and to to just get... Like, Garnet is who we trust to to tell us things. Yes, so if very if, true. If Garnet says it, then, like, there, uh, likely there's there's bias and likely there's, there's perspective. But you can always trust it comes from a good place and an honest place and a less confused place than, say, Pearl. Sure, um, sure. So, yeah, so I liked having her be the vehicle for that. And I also particularly like Stephen going to her for help with that or with his dream and his, you know, what he's struggling with and what he's confused about with that. I think that makes sense. And like you said, like we've, again, we've both seen lots of shows where nobody talks to each other ever and tells <laughs> each other what they've like learned or experienced or, you know, strange things that are happening. So that's, uh, yeah, that, that, that was very nice. Um, I want to th- throw a theory off of you that I'm sure is not a, a new theory. Yeah. Plenty of people, I'm sure, have had this. So my current operating theory is that Pink Diamond was off color. Okay. But she was supposed to be Red Diamond. Mm-hmm. And so that there's Blue Diamond, Yellow Diamond, and it was supposed to be Red, but she came out pink for mm-hmm. in however they're created. Um, and that that will tie in with a lot more yet to come. What What do you think? I think that's a really fascinating idea. And I'm sure, yeah, you're probably not the first one because Steven Universe fandom is is good at theory, theorizing <laughs> yeah. type stuff, which leads into something else that I want to discuss with you a little bit. But I feel like this idea of her of Pink Diamond being off color, I think is probably true and would sort of speak to how Steven was dreaming as Pink Diamond as like this kind of petulant teenager that Yellow was being sort of like dismissive of and the degree to which that they have to maybe tolerate Pink Diamond as well given that she is a diamond but also not like a pure quote-unquote diamond um I think is also really interesting and I think that that would be I think that would be really interesting for them to play with in terms of like represent uh, in terms of like their their universe and what that means for them. Um, but it also speaks to larger conspiracies about well, who actually killed Pink Diamond um, and for what reasons and that kind of a thing. Um, so I think that that builds in like really into things. Like when you suggested that you the Pink Diamond was off color, I immediately went back to the trial. And mm-hmm. was like, like, oh, well, this gives it a whole big motive of, yeah, we kind of loved her, but type of thing. And we still haven't met, like, White yet either. Yeah. Um, so I think that there's a lot there. But I think that there's also, and this is a really popular theory that I only discovered when I, like, had, like, this brain flash of, so what if, what if, what if Rose is Pink Diamond? <laughs> okay, but how? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't have an answer for that. Um... <laughs> I don't have an answer for that. Don't ask me to have an answer for that. Um, <laughs> it would explain the dream. It would very much explain the dream and the degree to which, like, that Rose clearly provided that, like, it's Rose and not Pink Diamond. Mm-hmm. Um, or that Rose sort of set up her own sort of, like, death in a way. I don't know. I don't have answers here. I really don't. 
Well, we already know that, for lack of a better term, uh, Rose transubstantiated into Stephen. Yes. Baby Stephen. Yes. So, uh, which shouldn't have been able to happen anyways. Yeah. So we know that that is, that's baked into the premise of the show. So there's no reason to think that that couldn't have happened again and that Rose Quartz couldn't have been a transubstantiation or a split personality or something, an offshoot yeah. of yeah, uh, of or pink an off diamond. color of pink diamond. Yeah, or something. Yeah. Um, so who knows? But it's certainly fun to think about. Yeah, no, there's there's a number of Reddit um, <laughs> threads <laughs> threads that you can go into that I found for this. I did not read them very closely um, because I wanted to suss it out with you a little bit, mm-hmm. but also because I just theories are spoilers, Kate, as we learned from Westworld. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, or Star Trek Discovery as well. And, yes. um, Speaking, so... I'm very excited about that casting. Tignataro coming on for next season. Oh, is, she, is Tig coming on for next season? Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. I just saw who they cast as Pike and went, I don't know who that is. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'll have to look that up later. Yeah. Um, do you have any final thoughts on, on my, your mother and mine, or shall we move on to Legends of Tomorrow? Let's go into Legends of Tomorrow, because Kate, I legitimately thought, based on the title, that uh-huh. they were just going to imprison Mollus or Malice or however you want to pronounce it. I've heard it both ways. Um, <laughs> that they were going to imprison this time demon inside of a Bebo doll. That's what I thought was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that that was going to be like his container to keep it a time Bebo doll. I did not expect a Bebo Voltron. Yep. And it made me very happy, Kate. <laughs> Maybe that very, very happy. delightful. <laughs> yeah, see, but that isn't even my favorite part of the episode. Right? No, it's not. It's it, my favorite. Thing. My favorite part of the episode is definitely the first time they try to make the thing. Yeah, it's like some hideously deformed monster creature that can't possibly live because they suck at their jobs, and then they just <laughs> immediately just torch it. Kill it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was that was just hilarious. Um, I, I I loved that the that they like the creature designed for that and everything and just like that was it was so fun. This was a really strong finale, I thought, mm-hmm. to the season, yeah. and it was appropriately like it's appropriately B B side, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the 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 Bebo fight at the end was ridiculous and <laughs> hilarious. Um, the the Nate getting stuck on the idea of Voltron. Was hilarious and so appropriate. Um, I liked that they did officially kill Damien Dark. Yeah. And so that we can, like, Neil McDonough has been great this season, don't get me wrong. But, like, it's beyond time. So yeah. they can't keep going to that well. And if they if they hadn't blowed him up, I think it would have been tempting to go back to that well. Yeah. So so I like that they straight up blowed him up. Um, And even just to bring back some of the, even though it undermines their whole point of their show to bring back the some of these different people and have like Helen of Troy is now a badass uh like warrior and we get Jonah they Hex with... Mascara. <laughs> yeah, yes, they did. But so the but to bring her back I thought was neat. Like I wouldn't have mm-hmm. imagined that and to have that like like this idea of here are these people that you changed their history and mm-hmm. you changed the timeline but it helped. Yeah. With completely undermines the whole point of the show and like our like Okay, so now we don't have Vixen with the same tragic backstory. So does that mean, does that affect Flash and Arrow? Because they both interacted with the other Vixen in Detroit. 
So how is the timeline? If are we gonna like when when Sarah shows up in the Arrow finale, are we gonna find out that like are they gonna reference Vixen but say uh, Kwasa's name instead of the other original? You know, like you know what I mean. Like what are they gonna do? Yeah, I don't have an answer for that. Okay, and I don't think they do either. <laughs> no, I don't think they do either. Um, and I like that they did say goodbye to Amaya at the end. I think it was time to pull that bandaid off as well. Though I think the actor really grew into the role and the show really flushed her out and improved by the end. That where she could have stayed around, it would it would have been yeah. good. But they'd already established this, this future history for her, so I'm glad that they you know really committed to that. Um, yeah, what did you, what were your what was your big moment? It's like for me, the, the my favorite moment was the the first attempt. What was your favorite moment of this finale? The first attempt, I think, is probably sort of the best thing that they do in this episode. But I also liked, I liked that the show's increasing, like, self-awareness about Sarah's big speeches to the Mm -hmm. point where, like, the rest of the crew is just like, that one was okay. I feel like you can do better. But also, like, the show sort of undermining it to the point of, like, all right, I've given this big speech. Now, where's the back door? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, is very good, and but also like their the show's awareness of like it's found its lane. I think is really good. Like Mick basically throwing shade at the Hawk people and going Mm -hmm. like they were really annoying flying chicken people, and it's just like yes, they 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 were very annoying, and you realize very quickly that being a serious time travel show was a bad idea. Um, You're gonna have chicken people. Yep. Yeah. So I feel I feel like the show's embrace of it comes through really heavily in this um mm-hmm. would have i would have liked like more with jacks yes mm-hmm. um considering that he just kind of pops up <laughs> to punches not, a few things punches and then, a yeah. few things and then kind of leaves um but it also yeah. like leads into a larger question of ray i don't understand why you're not in your suit for this last fight <laughs> um budget yeah, don't ask that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, kind of like, don't ask about the time thing that we've done. Don't, don't worry about this either. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I, th- I think it's just a really strong finale. And I like that. I'd like, I'll put that in air quotes. I'd like that Arthur Dar, uh, that rip is dead. Air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> air quotes. Cause it's just going to be really easy to say, well, he actually just ended up in a time cage or an alternate time dimension. And now he's, yeah. now he needs our help again. Um, yeah. It's just very easy for them to do. Um, even if I kind of don't want them to, because he had like his creepy goodbye with Gideon, and he, mm-hmm. he had his um, he had his like moment of realization about his family, and like very much would like to see my wife and kid again. And I thought that was a really nice moment for a Rip. Yeah. Um, but Kate, I think my favorite part was legitimately the end for a couple of reasons. First. <laughs> There's Gary, who I'm very glad that they found a way to work Gary into this episode very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, two, I liked Constantine showing up to just throw a giant dragon head on the like, beach. Here's season four. Yeah, here's season four, guys. Five, four, three, 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 three. I really like how that beach is very bad green screen, <laughs> and they don't try to hide it at all. It's just like. The outline around Matt Ryan is just so explicitly visible. And they're just like, eh, who cares? It's fine. It's the end. We did this because we signed him for this season, for next season. So that's why this is here. And it's just, it's very good. I like the fact that the show is just sort of like leaning into the camp, leaning into its budget. And I'm very eager for season four. 
Yeah, I think it'll be really fun. I think yeah. they they finally have everything worked out and uh-huh. right levels and everything, and they will have trouble having coming up with a villain or yes. an interesting like antagonistic force for the next yeah. season. That right. is definitely not their strong suit. Yeah. Um. But as long as they can get something credible for that, uh, yeah. as long as they can straighten out that that part of the the season, the rest of the pieces are all there. So I'm yeah. really looking forward to that. And I think that this season sort of demonstrates that they can get by without a particularly compelling sort of villain. Like, we have the Darks, but they weren't the big bad. It was a oh yeah time demon in a loincloth that didn't do anything. Yeah, but uh, they, there was, they provided, and Dark enough provided enough stuff. Yeah, like, set up for the, like, the, to yeah. move the plot forward and yeah. enough character stuff. And, and McDonough's performance can't be underrated yeah. as far as I'm nope. concerned, as far as the success of this season. Yeah. Um, and I'm <laughs> thinking to Upswipe's office where he's throwing the guy's like, it really is much more innate. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good times. Um, What was I going to say? Oh, and I liked how they handled the stuff with Ava, too, and Mm -hmm. and Sarah. So Avalanche, again, stuck the landing on that. So well done, Legends of Tomorrow. Certainly one of the most entertaining things I watched this week. And, like, it's going to be in contention at the end of the year for just most fun, just yeah. silly, stupid fun. And there's a big place in my heart for silly, stupid fun. Uh, on that note, what wins your week in drama and genre? Mm, I think I'm going to give it to, St- uh, I almost said Steven, but I really do think it's the Legends of Tomorrow finale this week. Um, what about you? Um, I want to mention the Howard's End premiere, uh, which I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, Americans continues to, to just be amazing. And Margot Martindale showing up on Good Fight next week. Very excited for that. Uh, but I think... <sighs> yeah. It's I think tough. I, it's, I think I have to give it to Killing Eve. Sure, sure, I, sure. I really liked Killing Eve. I also like Legends, but I think... And just like the... the it's malice, you idiots. You've been saying my name wrong all season. <laughs> um, and just Mick not being willing to give that to him. I just, that was delightful um so, so i think i've liked other legends episodes better mm-hmm. so i'm gonna give to killing eve but strong nod to to legends and to steven universe because of course we love that too so now we will take a break and come back with our season spotlight on season two of a series of unfortunate events so we'll listen to a little trailer and we'll be right back after this from the moment i told the baudelaire's their parents perished in a terrible fire they've had adventures in all sorts of exotic locales I've just dropped them off at boarding school. I know all about you. You've been sent to guardian after guardian, and adversity has always followed. (laughs) I'm afraid that you'll have to live in a small tin shack. Uh, crabs. Our shack is crabs. Our parents were a part of something. It might be the reason all these terrible things keep happening. Count Olaf is still looking for us. Does this seem like a nightmare? Because that's the effect I was going for. We don't have much time. I think I've got it. Open up in there. No. Please. This time, I have no mercy. I won't be satisfied with just your fortune. I will obliterate you in the cruelest way imaginable. The camaraderie at this hospital is really inspiring. Need to keep moving. I wish you luck. I think you're going to need it. This episode in the lives of the Baudelaire's is about to get much, much worse. 
How's work, Sonny? Faster! You type like a one-year-old. That was some of the promotional material for a series of unfortunate events, season two, which dropped last week on Netflix. Um, now I've seen all of season one. You've seen like a, a, a smidge, right? A handful of season one. I f- want to say I watched like the first two, maybe three episodes of season one. Okay, um, and then jumped back in here with season two. Um, let's start or, and remind listeners: Are you familiar with the books? I have not read any of the books. I haven't read any of the books. My the degree of exposure I have to this um, IP is basically the feature film that was done um, at the height of yeah at the height of everyone adapting YA stuff. Um, so that's the extent of my familiarity with this uh, IP. So what did you think of the show? I mean, this is obviously you've seen a lot more of season two than you did season one. So did yeah. did it work for you this this time? Uh, a little bit better than last time. Um, I sort of struggled to get through the, um, what is it? The Austere Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, because those two episodes are like, for me, really excessively precocious. Um, and I feel like that's by design to a certain degree. Um, but it was sort of like everything I was sort of struggling with in the first couple episodes, the uh, first few episodes I watched of season one. But then the show sort of settles into a slightly different gear, I feel like, um, in part because of sort of the darker sort of um, stuff that you were dis- you alluded to a little bit. But also because Lucy Punch shows up and... <laughs> just makes a huge difference in sort of energy and that kind of a thing um, that a lot of what happens and in part because of how really dire things progressively get, the precociousness has to kind of get scaled back a little bit. Um, so while there's a couple of parts where um, in the middle, particularly like the vile village where I'm just sort of like, this was not a two part um, story overall I feel like things move really well um, that the degrees to which Olaf's schemes never feel like excessively manufactured or excessively ridiculous um, I feel like works really well and generally I was much more on board with um, what the show was trying to do to the point where I'm like sort of like alright I would like season 3 now please and thank you well and there's only going to be uh, four one more season yeah, four more, four more stories, so eight more episodes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and, and this is certainly, it needs an end date. It needs an yeah. end. Um, yeah, it's interesting. For me, I thought that, I think, I'm ready for it to be done, like, in yeah. season three, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll definitely watch those. But it, it got almost impressively dark for me. I had a hard time finishing, especially, like I said last week, because I marathoned these. Yeah. I needed to take space between them. But um, just everything, like, it already starts out as a very dark and gray show in season one, episode one, with yeah. these different pops of color and these different spaces that are brighter and more colorful when, they, when they're in a safe space that tends to be, you know, more pleasant and, and warm. But over the course of the season two, it just gets so it dark. Uh, that that uh, you know, like, and it, because they don't have, and I, I, you know, I mentioned this last week, they don't have the Will Arnett and Kobe Smulders characters from season one, who you think might be their parents, who are actually secretly still alive. So, like, you can hold up, hold out this hope that, oh, and, but then at the end of the season one, you find out it's not their parents; they're just two other people. Um, and so you don't even have that hope of, well, maybe. Maybe there is something positive that can happen that these kids don't know about. Um, there, there are a lot fewer points of support and comfort 
in this yeah. season. And that's the whole point. I get that that's the whole point. But that doesn't mean that I need a two-parter for the, the was it the hostile hospital? That, for yeah. me, was the one that was way too long. Mm-hmm. No, I agree that it's long, but I also think it's worth it just to watch Lucy Punch camp and vamp around that filing cabinet room and that Corella DeVille sort of setup. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do agree that that one's long, but I feel like the, the, the degree to how dark that one gets makes up for it. Whereas I feel like, um, whatchamacallit, um, the vile village is just, it takes way too long to get to the point of like, I know how this is going to play out and I just, it goes on too long. And also whomever their guardian is, is just not particularly compelling in that one either. Um, so it was just a really kind of tough thing to get through. Yeah, I was more down with the Vile Village than you were. I'm, uh, I'm a bigger fan of the, um, who are their friends? The, oh, Isadora and Duncan. The Quagmires. I'm a, I'm a bigger fan I of like the, the Quagmires, Quagmires I think. Oh, okay, because from yeah, some no, things you said. Yeah, no, I like the said, Quagmires a lot. Okay, yeah, I, I thought that you weren't as big a fan of them because of the some 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 uh, skeptical eyebrow you were throwing at the couplet references. Um, well, we everyone uses couplets. <laughs> it's not just a specific thing to that poet. Everyone has used couplets at one point or another. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, I really enjoyed the Austere Academy. Uh, for me, and, you know, and obviously, I'm going to enjoy Vice Principal Nero. This horrible violin playing, and I will say, not terrible like posture and stuff. Just obviously, he's mm-hmm. horrible playing, but like I wouldn't be surprised if that actor actually knows how to hold a violin. Um, that was Roger Burt, yeah, yeah. And I thought he was super fun. Um, the by the end of the season, though, like when you get to the hostile hospital, um, and when you get to the the carnival, and like their fate, they're just because the the light and the color gets drained from them. They spend yeah. that whole two-parter, like, with smudged makeup and, and very, just, like, ash, ashen and dirty skin. And they, they, like, they got the dark circles under their eyes and it's their disguise. But just watching the the stakes continue to rise for them, while I acknowledge it's what the story is going for and it's what they're trying to discuss, it, it was just depressing when, when they... Mm-hmm. When when we watched the the hostile hospital and Carrie Kenny Silver's uh, intaker at the hospital, of course she's fabulous on the state. Um, when she figures out that it's Count Olaf, but then doesn't tell anybody before the end of the episode, I was so frustrated. The way they have things end with David Allen Greer, the 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 clerk, and everything like, and I again, I get it. That's the whole point. But it just got so oppressive that it it stopped being fun. And I think it still needs to be fun for this show to work for me. Yeah, no, I, I do agree that there's not a great deal of fun to be had in a lot of this. Um, regardless of, like, which set, regardless of which set that we're inside of. Um, and they, yeah, there's there's not a great deal of fun. I I, I can't think of, like, a point where I was just like, oh, I laughed a lot. Or I even sort of, like, had some good chuckles to be had. And I, there's not really many of those instances I can point to in these episodes where I'm just like, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. and Because all of my points sort of go to, like, the climax of the carnival, um, mm-hmm. which is insanely dark. Yeah. And 
just really unpleasant mm-hmm. and unfortunate. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. They're constantly telling you this. It's not like yeah. it's a surprise. The right. narrator... Well, no, because that's the entire conceit is that Lemony yeah. Snicket is just like, why are you watching this? You need to turn this off and go watch something else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. The uh, the points of light, I would say, though, are uh, Sarah Rue as the... Oh, God, she's, she's as so Olivia. good. As Olivia. Yeah. And uh, the librarian. And, and, of course, Nathan Fillion is delightful. And so it's just like, it's so fun to watch him in this mode again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's terrific. But once those two characters go, you know, like the the a lot a big part of the fun of the first season was the different guest star performances yeah. and what they brought to it. And we get a little of that with uh I mean, I think Tony Hale is super fun <laughs> as yeah. Jerome Squalor. And certainly Lucy Punch, like you say, really is terrific. Um but you don't get that in the same way. Um you get a little bit with David Ellen Greer's Hale. A little bit with mm-hmm. the clerk, but not really in a big way. And then by the time you're in the carnival, the, the, that safety net is completely gone. So so it's just, it's a different, it's a very different experience. And I'm a little uncertain of what season three is going to be. Like, how do you mm-hmm. keep getting darker? They've been framed for murder. They've been framed for arson and uh, some other things too. And they don't have any evidence or proof of anything. And, you know, it really seems like this whole bfd thing is doesn't actually mean anything anyways so having jacqueline be such a reduced presence i thought um you know like i don't think they're going to bring her back in a bigger way next season i think allison williams character is going to be the central that's Mm -hmm. my guess the central positive force but yeah it's just you know when, when you get to the vile village and you have the the day of sex machina uh, and I loved all the discussion of that. Uh, the other yeah. Deus Ex Machina fail, and then they just like that's that's like but wait, 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 I thought we were supposed to win, or we were supposed to help, or you know that's not how this is supposed to go. Um, it it kind of closes a chapter in the season and in the series, I would imagine overall, and then we're onto something new for the rest. But um, I don't, I'm certainly not going to be as enthusiastic for the last season as I was for season two, I think. And I think that's fair. And I I think that the show's desire to subvert as many things as possible, like the deus ex machina or any sort of like handhold is very of a piece of what they want to do. So the degree to which that that is, happening so much i is is really wearing and i think the the fact that i don't really have much to compare this to compared to season one speaks to my tolerance for it compared to yours maybe mm-hmm. but i will say that like i do think that there's still some little bits of humor like robbie amell is the most committed i have ever seen him in anything <laughs> yeah he's fun as the ambidextrous freak um air quotes yeah it's just like both my hands are equally strong and good at doing things. I can write my I can write a name with both my hands. And it's just like, this is very funny and very weird. And I like it very much. <laughs> but it's like, it's the only little ray of sunshine um, that mm-hmm. you have in this. And, and it's very, very scarily. Um, yeah. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm sort of eager to see more um, from mm-hmm. whatever the third season brings, which is only going to be, I think, seven episodes. Oh, okay. Because um, they've got two, 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 and then the last novel is going to be like a single episode. Okay. Um, 
so but i do i do also like really take your point about like the variety and fun of guest stars is probably significantly reduced since that they're not as present even tony hale is out of commission for like half of the second part of that two-parter it's just like oh tony i know that we need to establish lucy punch very quickly but Tony, just wake up, buddy. And also, just give the kids some money. It's just like, you don't have to go with them. Just give them the money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, because in season one, the the guest stars were pretty much all benevolent figures. Mm -hmm. Useless, but But, benevolent. And then season two, they start to be, they're antagonists, with the exception, again, of Sarah Rue and Nathan Villian um, and Tony Hale. So so that balance starts to flip. Mm-hmm. You know, partway through the season, uh, to being people who are amb- ambivalent to them, who aren't pro or con, um, like Babs and like Hal, who's a warm figure, but uh, that that ends very sadly. Um, so, so we'll see what happens. But I do still, I did still enjoy this. I just think I have to plan ahead and not mainline it yeah. for next season because uh, I still really enjoy the kids. They're so good, mm-hmm. and and I still really really enjoy the. Uh, uh, the the baby, um, the baby Sunny, jokes are Presley, very good. <laughs> Presley Smith is delightful. I like they 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 have to hurry up and finish filming so that she doesn't age too much. She's more of a toddler now. <laughs> yeah, been waiting here so long. Yeah, mm-hmm. I liked all of her subtitles when she was being the executive assistant. Mm-hmm. I thought that was yeah. just a special level of delightfulness. Um, yeah. Did you have a, a favorite episode? Our favorite guest star or, or moment? Um, let's see here. Um, I mean, Lucy Punch became sort of like a series regular. Um, Sarah Rue was recurring. Um, yeah, I don't think I necessarily had a favorite guest star. Um, I felt like they really didn't use um the uh, Mindy Sterling, Carol Mansell, and Ken Jenkins as much as they could have. Mm-hmm. As the el- as the elders of the village of foul devotees, um, mm-hmm. as much as they could have, who all three of those are really good actors um, that were kind of stuck in one note roles. Um, yeah, no one no one else particularly stands out. I feel like, um, but I do think like the and I mentioned it already, but the chase scene in the um, hospital's record rooms between Violet and. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucy Punch's character is just so really good and legitimately really very scary um, that I couldn't really get out of my head. And I just, I really liked that sequence, I think, the most. Um, mm-hmm. One question that I did have for you um, was, and you mentioned that this was probably maybe not amounting to much of anything. Like, how much do you care about VFD? And, oh, not at all. Okay, because it's just like, we got that whole flashback sequence and I just went, I still don't know what these people do. Mm-hmm. I like the whole conceit of the literary and philosophical principles type of thing. But I don't know what these people do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know why I'm supposed to care. <laughs> yeah. Well, they want us to care. Yeah. Because these things keep happening to the kids and the kids care. So they want us to care because the kids care. But yeah. uh, they haven't earned that as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they, it just feels very, it's very much a tease. Because it's like, oh, we should get them this book. It's like, you guys have a whole other season. They're not going to get that book. That's not yeah. going to happen. So um, just, just the, how, how artificial it is really makes it stand out for me. And so it, it keeps me from investing because I know that they're not actually going to tell us anything mm-hmm. until maybe the end, if ever. 
So yeah. yeah, I just I just don't care about that. What I did care about this season, though, which I felt foolish for not noticing last season, was the political subtext of it, and certainly in the context of what's been going on this year with the students at Parkland, um, this idea of a, a template for our world where the kids can't rely on the adults and yeah. and need to to. Like and the even the be- the benevolent adults are just so easily swayed by fake news through the the um the paper the daily Pontilia Pontilia yeah I thought that that was really great and and so like even even the 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 straight up really heroic good guys uh, are constantly defeated by the by the villains who are ridiculous and cackling and over the top and obvious. And yet, you know, the kids are staring around like there is everyone on crazy pills. Obviously this is Count Olaf and everyone just refuses to hear it. Uh, I I I thought, you know, that was made very explicit in the vile village, obviously with like, you know, angry mob means pitchfork sales are up or something like that was the line. And I was like, okay, that's on the nose, but I don't care because I needed that little poke yeah. on the nose to, to start connecting to this. Um, and, and this is obviously material that was written back in like the 90s. So it's it wasn't written with that context in mind, but certainly that's something that they embraced and, and really connected to even stronger in season two. Yeah. Um, and and it's something that that certainly heightened my appreciation of of the show's narrative structure and it's uh, what it seems like its goals are in season two. Yeah, and I agree with that. Absolutely. And I, I think a lot of that is both sort of a, um, whatchamacallit, a product of things that have happened since this, like, finished production. But also it just becomes one of those things where it was baked in, like you said, it was baked into this premise of no one's listening to these kids who know exactly what's going on. These, these two people, three people really. And everyone, like you said, is just swayed too easily by sensationalism and mob mentality type stuff. And also a really charismatic guy who does really good makeup work. Yeah. With terrible hair. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, uh, and j- just Jillian with yeah. the Olaf hair. Sorry, it was just yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was, a, that was that was a fun moment. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, are, so, you, so, are you, do you think you'll check out season three when when it comes? Yeah, if only so I can a find out what happens, but b I also just really want happy endings for the hook handed man and the hench hench person of indeterminate gender. <laughs> I really yeah. want both of them to be okay. Yeah, um, I enjoy them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The performances are very strong yeah. there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I. Well, do you think you'll go back and watch any season one, or no? No, not interested. I don't think that there's any reason for me to go back. Mm-hmm. Really, I don't feel compelled to do so um, by any stretch of the imagination. So I don't think I'm going to. No. Fair enough. Um, and last question: Would you recommend this to others? Um, I can't tell. Probably, yeah. I think I would maybe recommend that they watch the whole thing as opposed to just diving in. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I would probably recommend this to other people. Um, for sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, I I enjoyed, like I said, it was grueling, but I enjoyed my time with it. And I certainly look forward to my last four adventures with, with those three kids. And I just, I'm waiting for a somehow happy ending that Snicket for some reason doesn't interpret as happy. And so therefore 
we can, they can under undercut themselves and I can be made complacent with a happy ending that the show has been very explicit that we won't get. So that's what I'm hoping for at the end. So we'll see. Anyways, a few show notes here at the end of our episode. You can find a post for this episode over at thetelevers.org. Leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can email us, thetelevers at gmail.com. You can like our Facebook page and start up a conversation there. Or you can reach out, uh, leave us a rating or review in iTunes or on Stitcher. We have an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. And, of course, we're both on Twitter. I am at thetelevers. And, Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Well, thank you so much, Noel. Thank you for like because I know this wasn't necessarily a sh- your your show. So thanks for 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 watching through so we could talk about it. Oh no, I was happy to do that. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. <laughs>